Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Are you caring for an aging loved one? Are you a senior searching for answers? Welcome to Senior Care Live, a program dedicated to you. Providing information, education, and resources for seniors and their caregivers. And now, America's Senior Care Consultant, Steve Keeker. Hello and welcome to Senior Care Live. I'm Steve Keeker, your Senior Care Consultant. I really appreciate you tuning in. We have a great program for you here today with Mr. Bruce Glenn from the Glenn Team Wealth Planning at Infinitas. And we're going to be talking about financial milestones throughout your entire lifetime. And Bruce, welcome back to Senior Care Live. Thanks, Steve. Glad to be back. All right. So if you want to reach out to Bruce and the excellent team at the Glenn Team Wealth Planning at Infinitas, you're going to want to write this phone number down, 913-563-7327. That's 913-563-7327. If you want the contact information, just go to Senior. Maybe you're driving around right now and you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, I I don't have anything to write with. Just go to SeniorCareLive.com and you can find all the contact info there. And and Bruce, that's a Kansas City-based number, but that's a number that anyone from anywhere in the country can call and you can help them. Is that correct? Absolutely. We're coast-to-coast, border-to-border. Take care of folks across this great country. All over the country. All right. Excellent. So let's talk about these financial milestones. And when you said you wanted to talk about that, I just think this is really, really interesting. So uh, when should people realize that retirement is on the horizon? Because that can kind of sneak up on you sometimes, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So people (laughs) should be thinking about this really from the time they get their first job or if they have proactive parents even when they're younger. But when people really wake up and, and think, gosh, you know, Retirement is really going to happen. You know, when you're younger, you think you're indestructible, you're going to live forever. But age 50 is when people kind of wake up and realize, gosh, that, that is on the horizon. Yeah. Yeah. And so at age 50, uh, what should you do about it? Yeah. So if you haven't already done it, and I advise that you do this sooner, but you want to at least at that point get a plan, you know, make sure you're on path to retire when you'd like to retire, you're saving enough and your money's gonna grow enough to last throughout your, your life. And um, you know, so once you see where you're at, you can make those, those tweaks, because you still have 15 to 20 years till retirement, and for most people's case, so you got time to adjust. And I would also, at that point, consider long-term care insurance if you are someone that thinks that's appropriate for you. You're still young enough that if you're healthy, 
the pricing isn't too bad yet. You know, and the longer you wait to get that, uh, the more risk you have of needing it when you don't have it or it costing to where it's it's going to be too expensive to even get it. Um, the other thing, at age 50, you get a makeup opportunity on the amount of money you can contribute to your IRA or to your 401k. There's a, a catch-up clause that allows you to put more money aside at those at that age point. So, so, so what's the difference? Um, so it, it jumps up at age 50? Yeah. So the IRA, you can save an additional $1,000. Okay. And on the 401k, you can save an additional $7,000. Okay. So, you know, it's a pretty, you know, significant ability to catch up faster than what you were at age 49. And a lot of times through your work, your 401k has a match up to a certain number. Yeah, absolutely. And so maybe uh, you could take advantage of that as well and just double it like out of the gate. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that, that's, that's something I was going to talk about. You know, when you think about other milestones that people bump into, the really first one, in my opinion, for, for most people is when you get your first job, your first meaningful job, your full-time work, you know, because at that point, hopefully you've got a 401k opportunity. Like you said, a lot of 401ks, not all of them, but, but a lot of them do offer a match and you want to at least put enough money in to make that match, you know, and then, and then uh, or if you don't have a company that has 401k, you get an IRA going. Uh, but also at that first job, one of the key points is people need to get in the right habits. They need to build an emergency fund of hopefully three to six months of their spending needs and reserve if they need a, if an emergency comes up. And then also make the right habit of not getting into debt. I mean, can you imagine if we all would have been smarter when we were in our 20s and yep. not gotten into debt? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but then so. kind of rolling on through a few more of these and, and then I'll uh, just, you know, quick touches here. When people get their first home, you know, that, that or, or they become, you know, get married, you know, that's the time when they need to think about getting that life insurance. You know, and of course, if you're going to buy a home, hopefully they're saving enough to save, you know, 20% for a down payment and not have that PMI. You know, but then again, you know, what's next in life? You got that home, you're married, now, you, you know, you got to start a family. Yep. Better check on that life insurance, make sure it's enough. You might even want to start saving for college, the 529 plan. Always keeping in mind you really don't want to have any kind of bad debt. But, you know, once you have those responsibilities of being married, and you've got you know other people dependent upon you. You may even might even want to think about some voluntary benefits and some short-term disability, long-term disability, things that if something were to happen, you can kind of replace that paycheck so the whole plan doesn't go off the rails. And then you know obviously you want to keep track with your annual um, you know plan reviews. If hopefully you're if you're young doing the right things, you get a plan in place. But also stepping up a little more money that you're saving. Uh, each year. That's the one thing about it that I find with young people is they don't think they can afford to save in a plan, but you really can't afford not to save. But if you if you only started a couple percent now, if you'll add on one percent per year, you'll eventually get to where you're saving at a good pace. And we like to see people saving at least fifteen percent for you know 25, 35 years, you'll be able to retire the way you want to. Absolutely. So I'm going to have uh, my uh, one of my triplet boys uh, listen to this podcast after the fact, because I think he's going to be, uh, I think he's he's busy today. But um, uh, the, the bottom, you're, this is speaking to him. So, you know, he's 20. Uh, he got certified in uh, H- HVAC. He got his first job. It's a it's an excellent right out of the gate job. They're paying him really good money as a brand new kid learning a new trade, and and they do have a four hundred one k matching after ninety days up to a certain percentage. And uh, we're going to be setting up his budget. And I told him, kiddo, you're you're twenty. He's completely debt free. Uh, he does not go out and blow a lot of money. I, I said, you are sitting on a gold mine. You have the tiger by the tail, so to speak. If you do this right, you could retire at 
55 or 60, go fishing, and you have, you're financially set at that point, if you do it right, starting at 20. Yeah, absolutely. And it's all about the habits, because unfortunately, most Americans, we get that job and we start spending money. We go out and borrow money for the car. We buy a new car <clears throat> and yeah, yeah. And do all the stuff, right? The, yeah. the credit card debt and go out and party too much, the whole nine yards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ab- absolutely. So uh, so, so uh, when you start a family, so that, that triggers two or three things that you need to do. I mean, you talked about you know life insurance and you have kids and you know, short-term disability and, and getting some life insurance for sure because life insurance is designed to replace your income until you are uh, in a financial situation to where you are self-insured, essentially. Right, and that's the whole point. You're either going to self-insure, which if you're well off enough, that's great, or you might want to get a term policy that will at least get the kids through school, get the home paid off. But if you want more of a permanent policy that's going to last no matter how old you are, uh, I would also consider, because we talked about this uh, a couple months ago, I would consider uh, a hybrid type of a life insurance policy that you could use for some senior care needs if you need to. There, mm-hmm. there are policies out there that are flexible, yep. and we have a lot of different insurance companies that have the great products uh, like that that we can you know shop for people. But that that's a good way to kind of kill two birds with one stone. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And so on an annual basis, uh, what, what should people do every year? Yeah, so I would uh, suggest strongly, and we do this for all of our clients, at least annually, we update the retirement plan. You know, which, you know, seeing how much money you currently have, what pace of saving you're at when you'd like to retire, how much Social Security or pension or outside income may contribute to that, and then expect the rates of return depending on the comfort level with risk. So that's really important to do that. And then, like I said, I would try and pay yourself first each year. If you get a raise, put a little bit of that in towards your retirement plan. Uh, if you pay off a debt, put some of that money towards your retirement plan. You know, look in the mirror and fast forward and think of yourself as being, you know, gray, wrinkled, you know, 20, 30, 40 years in the future, yeah. and then make that person your friend <laughs> yeah. and, and help pay them when you're getting a little bit of extra money. Give some money away to the, your, your future self. And a few aches and pains in the joint, a little, little back right. pain, you're like, ah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. And uh, so I, I've heard that uh, 50 is kind of a magic number as far as age. And let me say this. I coined the phrase on this program many years ago, 50 is the new 30. So uh, let me also say with my recent birthday, 60 is a new 40, and I'll take it. So I agree with you. I'm, I'm 60 as well. So we have the 60 club going on this, yeah. this week. Yeah. So, but what yeah. happens at 50? Yeah, well, so like I said earlier, I think it's just a magical psychological conundrum. So one of my credentials is a certified behavioral financial analyst. And so that's one thing we do is we study, you know, behaviors of, of Americans predominantly, right? Yeah. And so at age 50, for some reason or another, you magically wake up and you realize, gosh, you know what? You're that like, retirement's really there. Oh, man, that's coming quick. Yeah. And, and that's probably also why, again, the, the government gives you the ability to save more mm-hmm. if you need to. But if you don't have that plan in place, you really have got to get your plan in place and make sure you're on path. You still have enough time to make up the difference. Age 50 is the wake-up call, and if you're later than that, if you're older than that, hey, it's it's never too late. Reach out to Bruce Glenn and the Glenn Team Wealth Planning at Infinitas at 913-563-7327. And now the Senior Care Live question of the week. Age 59 and a half is a significant number. Is that statement true or false? The answer coming up next. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. 
For more information, visit SeniorCareLive.com. We'll have more with Steve coming up next. Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, go to SeniorCareLive.com. All right, back to that Senior Care Live question of the week. Age 59 and a half is a significant number. Is that statement true or false? And the answer is... True. The answer is true. And Bruce... Why is age 59 and a half a significant age? Thanks, Steve. Well, several reasons. One is that's the age that the government uh, takes away the penalty for early withdrawal. Ah. So if somebody wants to retire early and they want to take money out of their uh, pre-tax money, their IRA or 401k pre-tax money, they can do it without a penalty. Uh, if they have Roth money, there is a five-year rule that the first dollar in on Roth money has to mature for five years before you can take that out without a penalty. But but 59 and a half is definitely a milestone for waiving that. But the reason for that is it also gives you the opportunity to diversify your portfolio. So a lot of folks are in their 401k plan, hopefully, and hopefully they've saved a lot. And a lot of the plans across the country will allow for what we call an in-service withdrawal meaning you can still work at the company, you can still be in the 401k plan, you can still get a match, hopefully if they have a match there, you're still participating in it, but that only goes to your new money going into the plan. So if you have this pool of assets in the 401k, you may be limited on the uh, number of investments that you have, Mm -hmm. and maybe there aren't as good a quality of investments they may need to be. So it's always good to take a look and see if the quality is appropriate and if you can diversify appropriately. So it gives you a chance to potentially move that money into an IRA. Uh, again, there's a lot of different things to think about, so don't sure. just randomly do it. Yeah. Uh, but you may be able to uh, more carefully diversify. Sometimes people have a company that's very benevolent and may be giving them company stock. Well, in some cases, what can happen in the, is that people's retirement funds become overloaded with that company stock. I mean, think back to WorldCom, Enron. I yep. think most of our folks yep. dial in probably remember those debacles, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. People had all their money tied up in those companies' stocks. Well, the same thing can happen. So, you know, the rule of thumb is you really don't want to have more than about 5% of your money in any one company. Okay. You know, if you're an insider on that company, maybe you're a part of that company's decision-making uh, it may be up to 10% because you feel like you know the company pretty well. But yeah. I would still say 5% is a good rule. I would also say, and this is a little bit of a backstep, so that's the 59 and a half year, but there's also a little bit of a thing where if somebody wants to retire early, if they're age 55 to 59 and a half and they want to retire early, if they commit to a consistent withdrawal plan, there's a rule called 72T mm-hmm. that allows them to take the money out on this consistent program as long as you stick to that agreement mm-hmm. and the penalty will also be waived, that, that 10% penalty be waived. So if if our listeners, if you're like me, you're learning a lot today. I've never heard of a 72T. I did not know that existed. If you didn't know it existed and you want to learn a whole lot more about how you can manage your money and, and maybe even consider retiring sooner than you thought, 
reach out to Bruce Glenn and the Glenn team, Wealth Planning at Infinitas. And here's the phone number again, 913-563-7327. That number is good for anyone around the country, and Bruce and his team can definitely help you out wherever you live. All right, so Bruce, is there a typical age that men usually start taking Social Security? Well, unfortunately, yes. Uh, a lot of times men will start Social Security as soon as they can, which is 62, unless they're a divorce or a not a divorce, but a, a survivor situation. But okay. it's 62. And the problem with that might be that if they're married and if their spouse does not is not going to have as big of a Social Security check, and the typically between 62 and 70, roughly the, the Social Security check that you could have if you delay starting it, it almost doubles. Oh, right? my. Yeah. So if you, you can imagine, if you start your Social Security check and you're the bigger breadwinner, and we know that the rule of big numbers is us guys are most likely going to kick off before our spouses, uh, we may have a lot of little old ladies running around in their mid-90s with half the check they could have had. Yeah because they could step up to the better check. And so I hate to see guys just automatically start that. They really need to think that through in terms of the overall family unit. And what is that going to potentially do to their surviving spouse if they die early and there's not that much money for them to live on? So instead of pulling it at, at age 62, if you can wait until age 70, uh, you're going to approximately double your Social Security. That's, that's, a, that's a huge deal. Yeah, absolutely. And again, there may be reasons to start it early. I'm not saying it's always a bad idea, but you need to think that through pretty carefully. Okay. And then is there an age uh, people should be aware of for Medicare coverage? Right. So, you know, Medicare is age 65, you know, unless there's a disability type of situation. But, you know, if you're still working at a company, you still want to sign up for Part A because that's free. That's the hospitalization plan. But if you're still working for a company and you have credible coverage, you don't have to start Medicare right away. Uh, But but if you, you know, don't have coverage, you need to start at 65 for your Part B and then get your drug plan in place. And and you may want to get a a supplement or advantage plan kind of cover what Medicare doesn't cover. Okay. All right. And then uh, what does the term full retirement age mean? You know, I think that's one of the biggest things people get confused about. Uh, full retirement age is the age that you can turn Social Security on and no, no longer be subject to a penalty if you make too much money. So this year, for example, is like, like $19,100, $200 in that range. It goes up a little bit every year. But you get penalized 50% on the dollar of every oh. extra dollar you make if you start Social Security before your full you know, retirement age. So, you know, if you're born after 1960, that age is 67. If you're before 1960, then you have a, you know, a couple of months, you know, shortened version of that all the way through there. Okay. All right. So if you started at age 65, you earn over 19,000, you're taxed at, uh, you said 50% over that number. Right. Yeah. That's so, not even so you work, get to your worth 67. working. <laughs> it may not be. It may not be. So you yeah. got to be careful about that. You know, another thing, Steve, in those time frames, you're talking about, you know, if somebody does retire early and maybe we're going to delay starting the Social Security, they might, we might want to look at doing some Roth conversions, too. We can kind of minimize that, that balloon mm-hmm. of taxes when you get older. Okay. All right. And have there been uh, any recent changes to end-of-life planning? Yeah, there absolutely have. So during COVID, they enacted a rule that says that if you inherit an IRA, you now have 10 years to get that money worked out of that account. And of course, if you inherited that money, each time you take money out, that's ordinary income tax. It could throw you into a higher bracket. It could mess up your Medicare premium coverage. It could you know, boost mm. up your tax bracket. A lot of things like that can happen. So you might want to think about that. Work with your planner, consider Roth conversions, spreading that money out. A lot of different things to go into consideration there that we didn't used to have to worry about because we could stretch it across our lifetime. And, and now you can't. But you have 10 years and then all of a sudden that's a 
that's a very different situation. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay, you could end up living 20, 25, 30 years. And so 10 years, that that's a game changer. Yeah, totally is. So uh, how long will Social Security keep rising? Well, so it starts at 62 and then it rises at a pace of 8% per year that you delay starting it. And it goes up a little bit more every month. So, you know, your check, if you start it next month, it'll be a little bit more than it would be this month. But at age 70, it, it caps off that automatic 8% rise. And then you're just kind of subject to your COLA or cost of living adjustments. All right. So so 70 is, is the number that it uh, that it ends up. So That's correct. All right. I learned a ton of information from Bruce Glenn with the Glenn Team Wealth Planning at Infinitas. Reach out to Bruce and the great team at 913-563-7327. Anywhere across the country, Bruce and the team can help you out in a major, major way. And Bruce, thanks so much for being here today. This is really awesome information. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Steve. Always a pleasure. And coming up next, Senior Care in the News Report. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. Have a question? Visit SeniorCareLive.com. Stick around. We'll have more with Steve coming up next. Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For podcasts of the program, go to SeniorCareLive.com or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, about that Senior Care in the News report. And now, Senior Care in the News. A news report from Steve Keeker, president of Senior Care Consulting. Okay, so this was on uh, last Sunday. It was on television, September the 18th, 2022, during an interview on uh, CBS's 60 Minutes. And President Biden made some huge news by declaring, and I quote, the pandemic is over. He said, we still have a problem with COVID. We're still doing a lot of work on it, but the pandemic is over. Now, they were walking around a car factory in Detroit. He said, if you notice, no one is wearing masks and everyone seems to be in pretty good shape. Okay, so in response, the media just completely melted down. And and I'll start to break this down here a little bit. Uh, But the media did not like that that comment (laughs) or that declaration, if you will. So from the New York Times, Biden says the pandemic is over, but at least 400 people are dying daily. From Reuters, Biden says the pandemic is over even as death toll and costs mount. From Forbes, President Biden prematurely saying COVID-19 pandemic is over and is calling it reckless. According to NPR, Biden's remarks that the pandemic is over hurts efforts to save lives, experts say. And then Rolling Stone, I guess it's not just for rock and roll anymore, (laughs) but uh, says uh, uh, Biden declares pandemic over as hundreds of Americans still die from COVID every day. And I will add that This is yet another example of mixed messaging and, quite frankly, a botched delivery. 
it's no wonder that people don't believe anything they hear from government officials. And there's just a long history. Uh, and, and look, this happens in all administrations. All right. So I'm not trying to pit one side against the other. I'm not, I don't get into all that stuff on this show. Okay. But there is a very solid track record of a lot of mixed messaging, uh, particularly over the period of COVID-19 here. Uh, and that's why I think a lot of people are just so distrustful and they just don't know what to think. So uh, as another example of uh, some some really poor messaging, this was from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, and this was back on uh, uh, Tuesday, August the 23rd, 2021. It said, today, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration approved the first COVID-19 vaccine. Obviously, this has been back just a little while. The vaccine has been known as the Pfizer-BioNTech uh, COVID-19 vaccine. It will now be marketed as Comirnaty. And, and here's the part. This is the key part of this, of this announcement. For the prevention of COVID-19. Okay. What's wrong with that statement? So here's my issue with the statement. The messaging is all wrong. It, it doesn't prevent anything. Okay, and I, and I think our, our government just just continues to provide incorrect or mixed messaging. And I've heard so many people over all of these months, particularly back when, right, when, when this was a lot more hot and heavy, a lot of people uh, would say, look, see, all these vaccinated people are getting uh, COVID-19, so why should I get vaccinated? And there's still a ton of people in that camp. They they will not get the vaccine. And they're thinking, well, hey, why should I get the vaccine if it doesn't work? Or I've already had COVID-19. I survived it. I'm doing just fine. And my natural immunity is far better than the vaccine. Now, if I'm the FDA, no one asked my opinion, <laughs> right? They should have called Steve, all right? But it, it says... I think the message should have said, you may still get COVID-19, but the vaccine will reduce your symptoms with the, uh, with the intention of keeping you out of the hospital and off of a ventilator. So it's a symptom reduction strategy with the vaccine, but it does not prevent you from getting COVID-19. And I think that would have made a gigantic difference. But again, mixed messaging. And so it, just all of this mixed messaging, it goes on to this very day. <clears throat> now, I, I think if we had better, more accurate, more uniform messaging, we could increase the percentage of people vaccinated. And, it, and it, frankly, at this point, so many people have contracted COVID-19. Uh, I don't know what all of the numbers are as far as, you know, natural immunity, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but, uh, but, but the bottom line is, I, I don't think it's uh, much of an issue. It still is an issue, obviously. It's been reported. We still have 400 deaths uh, per day. Uh, I would also throw in there, we have 300 deaths per day from fentanyl. Okay, that's the next giant strategy and giant issue that needs to be tackled in our country uh, once we get this COVID-19 situation calmed down. Uh, but, but the bottom line is it is still an issue. It's just not like it was.
Now, on Tuesday, September the 20th, so this past Tuesday, uh, and this was on Fox News, uh, there's a gentleman named Will Kane, and he made a profound statement that just really, really, it just caught my ear. You know, once in a while, you'll just hear something, and it's just a head-turner. And he said, quote, Our lives have been manipulated for the acquisition and retention of power. That's not science. That's politics. And I'm like, whoa. Well, that is a profound statement. And frankly, I agree with it. I I agree with that. It's just there are so many examples of that. Again, that would also make your head spin. Right. And then we'll back this up by saying as recently as two weeks ago, President Biden and many, many other government officials have done this. But uh, the president was wearing a mask outside. And that goes against all the science in wearing a mask outside. Uh, and, And then two weeks later, the pandemic is over. Okay, so again, again, mixed mixed messages. So on one hand, wearing a mask is super important. On the other hand, it's over. So what is the real story? I think it's all very interesting timing with the midterm elections coming up and all. Okay, it's just something to think about. So the question is, what about all of the people who lost their jobs because of the vaccine mandates? Okay, what, what about all those people? They refused to get the vaccine and they lost their jobs and they said, Forget it. I'll lose my job. I'm not getting vaccinated. So if the pandemic is over, do they get their jobs back? That's a question. Will we now remove the vaccine mandate for people working in healthcare? And more specifically related to my line of work, are we going to re- are we going to remove the vaccine mandate for people working in senior care? Because guess what? We lost a massive amount of staff. We were already in a staff shortage, and we voluntarily discharged a whole bunch more in senior care and throughout all of the different health systems because of these mandates. So are we going to change our mind on that and bring them all back, give them their jobs back? Will we now remove the vaccine mandate so that we can serve in our military? And serve in our National Guard? I heard reports last week that uh, the Army is now saying, hey, we're going to be much smaller next year because we lost so many people and we're having a hard time recruiting enough people because of this vaccine mandate. And guess what? Guess who serves largely serves in the military? Younger people. Guess who don't want to get a vaccine? Younger people. Okay, so are, are, are we going to fix that? And what about all of the teachers that got fired, terminated? We we have such a severe teacher shortage, it's unbelievable. So what about all of the teachers that got fired because they refused vaccination? Do they now get their jobs back because the pandemic is over? And what is the definition of being vaccinated? One shot, two shots? The third booster, the new updated shot, do we call that the fourth booster? I'm, I'm very confused. So President Biden's comment, by all accounts, has been considered and, and frankly even called a major blunder or 
I would pose a question. Was he just telling the truth? And he just let that one fly off the cuff in an interview. What do you think? And with that, I'll be back to talk about why assisted living is the second most difficult level of care to navigate. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. To contact Steve or a guest on his show, visit SeniorCareLive.com. We'll have more coming up. Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. Have a question? Visit SeniorCareLive.com. All right. So wanted to visit about the assisted living level of care. And as I tabled this, this is what I believe is the second most difficult level of care to navigate. I think the only one that's more difficult simply because they're just more layers uh, in that onion, so to speak, to kind of peel back, would be the continuing care retirement community. In that case, I mean, we're looking at independent living, assisted living, long-term care, and there are all kinds of ifs and thens and uh, lots of ins and outs and lots of things. That is clearly the most uh, difficult type of senior care community to try to figure out and navigate and determine which one is your best fit. But number two would be assisted living. Uh, it's simply it's, it comes down to this: assisted living is not a standardized model. You have a lot of leeway in the assisted living level of care. Now compare that to long-term care, also known as a nursing home. Okay, uh, long-term care is is very uniform. All of them offer about the same thing. Now. Also, with that, let's also recognize that some deliver much better, much better results, more consistent, et cetera. Some do a much better job than others, but they all offer about the same thing. That's just not true in assisted living. And what prompted me to discuss this this week is that you know, I'm, I'm working with a very educated, very intelligent man who's had a high-level job for decades and recently retired, and I'm helping him find a, an assisted living memory care community for his wife. He has been her caregiver for a number of years. He's getting very tired, and he's at a point where now uh, he's going to need a break and we're going to need to get her 24-hour care at the assisted living level of care. Now, he needs a higher level. He needs on the higher end of assisted living. So what do I mean by that? Well, if if we were on TV, I would show you a graphic. <laughs> now, when I, when I sit down with senior care consulting clients, I always go through this with a graphic and it makes more sense or it's i think it's easier to kind of wrap your wrap your mind around when you see the picture and i make a lot of presentations to uh, to groups uh, all all over all over Kansas City and frankly all around the country and they see this graphic as well but on this graphic on the left side there's kind of this narrow areas for independent living. On the far right side, there's this narrow area for long-term care. And then in the center, occupying you know, probably two-thirds of the page, 
there's a very wide lane for assisted living, and there's a good reason for that. Now, the assisted living level of care, let me just say this. Assisted living is not a medical model. Assisted living is a social model that provides a wealth of support. But it's a social model designed to help you with those activities of daily living. So if you ever hear the term ADL, that's one of the acronymologies <laughs> that, uh, uh, that, that you hear uh, in, in the healthcare. Everyone throws around all these acronyms. I just call it acronymology uh, without explaining it. And people think that everyone else knows what that is. Well, I, I never assumed that. You know what assume means, right? So ADL, activities of daily living, such as bathing, dressing, grooming, using the toilet, incontinence support, some of those sort of things. So those are those daily activities that we've done for decades and decades on our own. And we've done them independently until at some point, maybe we can't take care of all these things independently. Maybe we need a little bit of help. And so the assisted living model is to help you minimally or fully with your again your bathing dressing grooming using the toilet uh, they can provide incontinence support to a point uh, some don't provide any incontinence support most provide at least a little bit some provide a lot of incontinence support they do distribute your medications uh, that's that's huge that's huge because it's kind of easy to forget some of your medications they also have a full slate of activities for social engagement, quality of life. Doctors generally come at least a primary care physician and a few of the other you know, major functions, you know, podiatrist, usually a, a dentist, maybe a couple of other uh, functions. They'll actually come to the assisted living community essentially making a house call. They provide transportation to see doctor's appointments, you know, outside of the building. So there's, they make all of your meals, snacks, and hydration. There's a lot to love about memory care. It's just not medical in nature. They're not going to provide catheter care. They're not going to provide wound care. They're not going to be able to do some of these uh, things. They're not going to, uh, most of them are not going to be able to provide a two-person transfer or use a mechanical lift, although a few of them will do that. The majority will not. So the reason there's a wide lane in this graphic is because some of them lean way over to the left and they're just offer a little more help than independent living does. It's a glorified independent living apartment <laughs> is, is what it is. Uh, and that's their choice. We have an active, independent community and every, everyone's just thriving and vibrant and that sort of thing. And, and that's their option. I mean, th they can market that. And, and they again, it's not a standardized model. You have a lot of leeway here. Some of them lean way over to the right towards that long-term care nursing home part. Okay, of this graphic, and they'll bend over backwards to keep you out of a nursing home or long-term care community, providing a tremendous amount of support. And oh, by the way, everything in between. So I'm visiting with this man, and, and he's, he's one of my clients with Senior Care Consulting, and he said, look, I've been around to uh, you know, a number, uh, he listed a number of assisted living communities. He said, everyone's telling me something different. 
What's up with that? What am I missing? I am more confused now than I was before I ever started all of this. And he said, look, I'm going to hire you and uh, and then, you know, you take care of this for me, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and, and and help me with this. So. So I was able to help him uh, with that. His wife needed a much, she needed really on the high end of assisted living because she needed some insulin injection uh, assistance with that diabetic management. And frankly, most assisted living communities do not offer that, but there are some. And I found some excellent options for him. His wife does not belong in long-term care. Uh, She is a much, much better fit for assisted living, but we just had to find one that could accommodate her, her diabetic management needs. And we were able to do that. I'm very, uh, very happy to say. So if you need help with any of this navigating senior care consulting, if you have questions about any of these levels of care, reach out to Senior Care Consulting at 913-945-2800 or visit online at SeniorCareConsulting.com. All right, I'm Steve Keeker, and I wish you grace and peace May God bless you and your family on this day and always. Join me next week right here on Senior Care Live. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.